Welcome to the Calyrex Game Corner's Pokemon D&D campaign, featuring Cindy, a young vagabond from the Hoenn region with pyromaniac tendencies, Gimli, a stocky, burly miner from Sinnoh looking for his lost son, Elodie, an enthusiastic foodie and baker from Kalos, and Schmidt, an enigmatic man from Johto with a duck. My name is Rich, and I'm the Game Master, and this is Dunsparce and Drampa. Following the Draconid Elder's awe-inspiring battle with a massive, tattooed-laden, uniquely colored Tyranitar known as the Mountain, our heroes join in the revelry of what is rumored to be the last ever Millennium Festival. Between the Quacko Paco, the four Draconid Elders, and the dozen or so trainers who braved the trek through Meteor Falls, the attendees come nowhere close to filling the chasm that Draconid Village is settled within. However, they enjoy the party much the same as if there were thousands in attendance. It is now late night, around midnight or so. The sky is constantly illuminated by brilliantly colored meteors burning up in the atmosphere, almost like natural fireworks. In the Elder's cabin, Rinza and Tomotoma impart cultural knowledge to Cindy and Elodie, respectively. Gimli, after enjoying hearty food and ale, met Jinga by the natural lake northeast of the ceremonial stage. To the west of the stage, Walker was observing the festivities in solitude before putting on a scowl upon witnessing Schmidt and Symmetra enjoying reveling in the form of dance to music created by Aster, the Explowed, and an assortment of rock and steel-type Pokemon claiming their bodies together. What are the members of the Quackopaco doing? If it makes it easier, we can roll RP initiative. I don't mind doing that. I don't like how this guy's looking at me. <laughs> I don't mind rolling RP initiative. Let's do it. I think this just gives it organization. Easier. Yeah. Let's just, the, the stakes are not high, but the party is split. <laughs> Why over. is this the only time? <laughs> what the hell is that? I never get high initiative. And then today? What the hell is that? He never gets low initiative. What is that? <laughs> you stole my initiative today. Oh, that's crazy. What the hell? Robbery. Wow. It's plus oh, goodness. Right. Hey, you do have to add your decks, yeah. Oh, I have to add. Well, it's a natural one, so I yeah. don't know if you'd want to treat it as a If crit it's a natural one, not. we're going to treat it as a crit fail. You go last okay, anyway, yeah. dude. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> God, what am I doing? <laughs> By this lake, I just learned about the mountain. Did we discuss my, my son? <laughs> um, you, we go, I, you brought it up, but you haven't asked Jenga anything specifically now since you rolled first in initiative. Could be a great time. Um, I might need to be reminded of the conversation that we had because, like, he brought up my son. Like, I I don't know how to continue that conversation. Yeah, if so fragmented. Um, does that make sense? Sure. <laughs> so you, he just kind of like asked what brought you there and like why you're uh, journeying, yeah. and he assumed you were like a family man. He was like, I can tell right. about you. Like, you're you're a father, and that's when you said, actually, yes, I have a son, and I'm looking for him, and. Yeah, um, and that's when he was like, "Let me give you this technique that we use to defend our tribe for generations." And um, that's more or less where you left off. Uh, Gimli, you get the impression that Jinga is a man of action and not necessarily mm-hmm. of words. That being said, uh-huh. he feels compelled to talk to you, but like he isn't very particularly social. <laughs> uh, he he wants he wants to talk to you. He feels like he has a duty of some sort to do so. But if he had his way, sure. he would just be sitting on top of a big rock with his dinosaur. <laughs> just tighten it up guarding people that's the kind of his mm-hmm. goal but um you mentioned you have a son you haven't mentioned anything beyond that mm-hmm. um so hey i i heard from the gym leader 
that we just previously fought against Mr. Watson. I don't know if you're familiar with any of the the gym trainers around here, but he, he said my, my son was traveling with some powerful trainer. I don't know if you had any other recent observations of powerful trainers wandering through these parts that aren't here now. Jenga strokes his rust-colored beard, and he says, hmm. All I see around here are powerful trainers. Do you have any more of a description? Um, my boy would be much taller than me. She has a face, but not as much of a beard, at least not the last time I saw them. But, um, and I would like to think my boy's powerful. I mean, <laughs> I'd like to think blood, <laughs> blood runs strong in the family, you know? <laughs> Pounds chest a little bit. Yeah, Jenga chuckles. As it absolutely <laughs> does. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, any, anything about the man that he was with? Um, I think uh, out of character. It was he. He described Champion Lance, did he not? I like. Um, I, I don't remember the description too vague. It was like a while ago. So, well, it might be a little vague in my head. He described. Was it, red? He described it was red. red. He described red. You're right. You're right. You're right. He described red. I like the um, <laughs> the other one was described as like kind of the 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 one he was with was described as like a silent type, kind of wore like a red hat, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just had a quiet, powerful aura about him. Yeah, it was like maybe you would recognize some kind of thing like that. <laughs> uh, Jenga will try and recall. He's making a roll. Mm-hmm. He got a good old ten. Nice. So, so right in the middle of the road. <laughs> right in the middle of the road. So he, he thinks back. He considers your description, and mm-hmm. he says, "I'm somewhat familiar with the structure of the gym leaders and." In Hoenn and some notable trainers from across the world, and I I do recall seeing two individuals. One was almost speaking for the other one, like as if it was on his behalf, and they were right. they were accompanied by. He he blushes a little bit. He's like, ah, this Pokemon's so cute, I can't resist. Uh, they they were accompanied by a Pikachu, and they were mm-hmm. they came to us, well me specifically, and they said that they were seeking something of great power within the hills in the Hoenn region. Mm. We may or may not possess some natural artifacts that contain great power, but we would not relinquish them uh, due to the requests of who I'm assuming must be your son and this powerful trainer. um, We allowed them to feast their eyes upon our possessions, but they were Mm. not what they were looking for and they made their way back into the cave and we haven't seen them since. So they went back into the cave, that's what you were saying? Yes. Okay. Because where, where they go, I must follow. I gotta, I gotta see what my son is up to, so... I'm Jing- sure I'll be on my way in that direction. <laughs> Jinga says, they can't be far. This was just a week ago. No more. Great. That means I'm getting closer and closer. <laughs> he says, you're also fortunate because, well... Where Dracodid Village is settled, there's really only a few directions to go. We are in the northwestern part of the continent, so if they're truly exploring Hoenn, they couldn't have gone really anywhere besides south or east. Great information. I really appreciate it. Of course. Is there uh, anything else I can help you with? He's kind of awkward. He doesn't talk much. Um, I don't know. I kind of just... <laughs> not for nothing, and I know you, you might enjoy this, but I kind of just want to take in the scene. It's very breathtaking. I'm a digging man myself and taking in the cave over this lake. It just, I don't know, just taking in the air feels really nice. <laughs> he says, I couldn't agree more. Let me show you my favorite spot. <laughs> and he like, oh, 
he he laughs and he jumps on top of Tyrantrum's head and he faces out towards the horizon. He says, <laughs> I, I don't think there's room for both of us, but this is where I like to sit and watch the sky. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so he's just like Love 12 feet above you and you're just on the yeah. ground like, with a thumbs up. Like, yeah. nice, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's That's sick. Yeah, very cool. Um, you could potentially do the same with Boldor, but Boldor's not particularly large. So. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I was like, Boldor, just like, they're like roughly the same size. I just like Trevor's head, like, oh, it's a pretty good spot. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just to set the scene, uh, what Pokemon do you have out besides Trevor, if any? It was Trevor and Bean, and Bean? last time we did this. Okay. Yeah, because Bean attempted to learn the, the mountain thing and did not succeed. So. Okay. We're going to have you... And this initiative turn, you're going to hang out with Jenga. Have a good time. Before we part, I want you to make a wisdom check. Uh, 12. 12. Noted. That might be relevant when we loop back around. Okay. Elodie, you are in the elder's den. It's not a den. You are in the elder's uh, house cabin. That's what I've been calling it. You're in the elder's cabin. Um, pretty close to the stage. You can hear music playing outside. And you are sat next to Tomatoma in a little gathering area. Um, and she was just imparting some knowledge to you. And uh, she looks at you in the eyes. And she says, you know, in some ways, you remind me of my daughter. Oh, really? What's, what's your daughter like? She says, well, you remind me of her because you seem very focused and sincere. And my daughter was, she was very much the same. almost." focused to a fault she was so obsessed with her duty in the village that it might have been the thing that drove her away she kind of like wistfully off do you know where she went she says i would give anything to know that information i think all of us in the village would love to talk to her she is holding her cane and there is like an ornamental stone of some sort at the top of it and she is looking at it and stroking it concerningly. You don't have to do anything with that, but I want to give you time if you wish. Right, right. Um, you said there's there's something on the cane. Yes, correct. A stone. Yeah. I'm gonna point to the stone and say that's a beautiful stone. What is it? It is beautiful. It's intricate. It's ornate. It's very, it's very peculiar. It features colors that are predominantly black. Um, it's black all around. It's almost it looks not earthen. Basically, it looks like perhaps it itself might be a meteor or a meteorite. Um, it's small, probably fits in about the size of one's hand, probably a large hand. It's a pretty beefy rock. It's very rugged, very dark. And there are crevices inside of it that just if you peek within these cuts in the stone, you can see green, almost like luminescent, almost glowing by itself. She says, oh, this you you must be curious about the keeper gem. Yeah, that sounds interesting. She says, this has been passed down in the Dracodid village for thousands of years. And here, why don't you hold it? And she takes it off the cane. It pops off. She hands it to you. Cool. I will hold it. Cool. It's heavy. It is like surprisingly heavy. She says, the last person to have held this keeper gem was my daughter, Zinnia. She was our last lore keeper of the Draconid village. She thinks a little bit and she seems kind of solemn. And then uh, she decides that she'll just she'll just tell you 
what she's what she has on her mind. She says about 15 years ago, Alwyn encountered two disasters back to back that it hasn't seen for thousands, maybe millions of years. Uh, two foolhardy, raucous, cowardly individuals by the names of Archie and Maxie thought that they could take control of the natural world and change it in a way that they saw fit. Uh, I'm wondering if Elodie has any sort of reaction to this, uh, yeah. this rage. Yeah. She's definitely going to like cringe a little bit upon hearing Archie and Maxie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Says, although she was but a child, no more than 18 years old, she took it upon her duty as lorekeeper to go and call down the dragon Lord for the first time in her life. And not only did she do it successfully, she, uh, she tried to do it twice right after the crisis with Archie and Maxie was solved. There was a different threat. Uh, existential threat that is pertinent to our culture and there's she like kind of seems scared at the description of this says there's an ancient enemy of the draconids who saw our vulnerability and archie and maxi were were trying their 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 foolish methods and they decided that this would be an opportune time to strike and destroy our way of life Zinnia went up to recall the Dragon Lord for the second time, and we don't know what happened. We never saw her after. The only thing we saw afterwards was that the threat was dealt with, and a younger champion May returned to the village, holding a crying aster in her arms, handed her over, as well as the Keeper Gem. We haven't heard of Zinnia since. I'm really sorry to hear that. She uh, mm-hmm. she dries her eyes and she says, oh, it's it's no worry. We, I, I had something to, to teach you, didn't I? What was it? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Draconid healing, right? You wanted to learn how to how to heal people? Uh, yes, if, if that's possible. She says, yes, of course. And she's put it on a strong face. She's she's trying to uh, change the, the tone a little bit. She says, Charlemagne, please come forward. She calls over her shoulder, and there's a little stubby dragon with funny horizontal teeth coming out of the side of his face. It kind of looks like he's an axe, and he's got a little boo boo. And he said, mm-hmm. and uh, Tomatoma says, "This this little fella, Charlemagne, he's always getting into trouble. He's always picking fights with wild Pokemon. He knows he can't beat." And she picks him up, and he goes, "Well," and uh, he's kind of squirming in her hands. And she says, "Come on, take him. You take Charlemagne." Yeah, I'll take Charlemagne. Um, you hold him, he's squirming, he's writhing, and he's got a little injury. His his arm and shoulder has like a deep cut on it. Um, and she says, now, focus your energy. Focus your thoughts. Try to meditate if you can. Think of nothing but restoring Charlemagne's health. And she encourages you to close your eyes, and she continues to say things that are intend to help your meditative state. And I need you to make a medicine check. I got a seven. A seven, okay. Um, so, Elodie, thanks to the things that Tomatoma has been saying and due to her guidance and with her help, she realizes some sort of power, um, whether it's from something she's born with or something from being around fairy types. She acknowledges that she has the ability to potentially heal Pokemon by touch. The role that I had you do was not necessarily if she was able to do so or not, because Elodie is capable. I do... Um, the role that I had you make was for... Well, 
I need you to it was to evaluate if Elodie could intuit exactly how much healing needed to be done. And the answer is mm-hmm. she didn't really. And Elodie runs her hands over Charlemagne the Axew. I also need to ask one more question. Um, pick a color. Uh, pick. Cool. Elodie runs her hands over the injured Charlemagne, and there's a little pink glow coming out of it, uh, out of her hands. And uh, some restorative properties begin. Elodie, in her brain, knows that she's healing Charlemagne. However, as a result, she's draining a lot of her own life force to do so. In fact, far too much than she already needed. And I need her to roll 8d8. 8d8. I got 28. 28. Elodie exchanges 28 health points from herself into Charlemagne, which was more than enough to fully heal Charlemagne. However, she feels a little drained. She feels a little exhausted. Tomatoma kind of gets up with her cane quickly. She says, oh, 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 careful. And she eases your back back into the seat. And Charlemagne looks really pleased. And he is like no longer squirming. And he's like patiently looking at Elodie to be let down while she is out of breath. Does she do so? Yeah. Great. Tomatoma says, you're clearly a natural, but it may take some practice. Uh, everything when it comes to life and death and healing is an exchange. It's a balance. So keep this in mind. Continue to practice, but be careful to not overdo it. Thank you. I had no idea that I could even do this. She says, sometimes it just takes some guidance. I think I have a copy pasta for you. Not copy pasta. I mean, I, I, have, a, I, have, a, I have an ability to give you. Um, I will read it out loud as well so that your fellow players can know and the people listening can know. Um, this ability is called Healing Touch. As an action, Elodie may directly transfer her own HP to any willing or unconscious creature she can touch. This is half as effective on Pokemon. Upon learning this ability, Elodie gains 60-10 or 30 maximum HP. You are welcome to roll this if you like. Uh, you can roll 60-10 or 30. Oh, boy. You're just, getting, you're just getting healthy. Elodie can heal beyond her possible HP pool into negative values up until a negative amount equal to half of her maximum. Immediately after doing so, after going... Beyond zero HP for herself, she falls unconscious with one automatic death saving throw failure. In this situation, when she next regains consciousness, she experiences levels of exhaustion equal to the number of failed death saves. Tomatoma is pleased. She is concerned for your uh, safety as maybe overdid it a little bit, but you're still fine. And she says, I'm I'm very grateful to you for coming here and letting me share my wisdom with you. And she has a smile. That looks like a smile that would be given from a mother to a daughter. Um, do you have any particular questions, actions, things that you want to do with Tomatoma? Uh, I'm going to say thank you again and give her a hug. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you have, a, you have a little embrace and you can feel that she is frail. And you also feel that she is very grateful for you. From that point, let's move on. In the same room, Cindy and uh, Renza are vibing. Renza just gave Cindy a scroll. Renza's kind of a funny dude. He's awkward. He seems like the kind of guy that just kind of says things like whatever comes to his mind. Um, maybe a little spontaneous. But he just handed Cindy a scroll that contained the information on how to teach Draco Meteor. It's very impressive. It's it's out of a parchment that seems like it's laden with stones somehow. And the writing on it is very distinct. It reminds you of the art that lined the walls as you entered. However, there is a translation that is in classic 
common of the modern day that is beside it that you're able to read description of draco media so renza looks at cindy says hey what do you think looks pretty powerful right yeah it looks great can't wait to teach cookie says what are you waiting for do it right now all right he uh renza gets very excited because he likes cookie a lot um cookie to renza has fulfilled some sort of rumor that he some sort of mystery that he's been invested in for his whole life and the fact that cookie just gives him a great deal of satisfaction all right i i show cookie the scroll Mm. cookie looks at it and cookie can't read (laughs) so she looks at cindy quizzically i read it to cookie great and um there are some similar to some tms that you got from lava ridge interestingly enough there's also there's some dance moves there's some movement directions for people uh, which is very interesting um do you wish to perform this with cookie absolutely uh cindy question you can answer however you want but this is very relevant to cindy stuff where are you performing this you're currently inside the hut (laughs) this is a bad idea but i feel like in true cindy fashion she'd be like yeah let's do it right now okay yeah yeah yeah. great love it (laughs) um okay let's see how well you do stop me before i do this uh not right now he's too enamored of the cookie to even all right show me how what's the role to convey this um i think it's wisdom we're making a lot of wisdom checks wisdom check for me or wisdom check for cookie Ooh, um i think it's for cookie to interpret what cindy's doing all right oh no uh uh cookie's wisdom that's an eight it's an eight that's a less than the average um, which might, in fact, be a good thing here. Um, Cookie does understand what's... She, Cookie's picking up what Cindy's putting down, more or less. Um, and uh, there's a flash in Cookie's eyes as uh, Cookie looks upward and goes, bah! and just kind of shouts into the air. And a baseball-sized purple rock slams through the stone roof of the cabin that you're in and hits the ground in front of Cookie, and it just smolders a, a purple-blue arcane energy and renza steps back he's like whoa 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 you could have hurt someone with that and he looks at the the roof he's like hey i i gotta get that patched up you you might want to go try this practice this outside okay i guess we relocate outside okay um you do that uh the moment that you step outside uh you are intercepted by a woman she um is it's clearly a trainer, an adventuring trainer. And beside her is a Pokemon that you and only you so far in the party has recognized. This is an Absol. Um, and they kind of like corner you outside the hut. And she says, hey, girl, do you, you like money? What? She says, it's not a hard question. Do you like money? I mean, who doesn't? But it's not like my priority. She says, you, you want to make some money? Uh, this sounds sketchy. You can roll inside if you want. I uh, I'm going to do that. Okay. Her absol is just kind of looking at you. Jesus, what is insight? Wisdom. That's a six. Six. This woman seems kind of fun. It seems like uh, whatever she's up to, she knows how to have a good time. Great. I'll, I'll hear you out. What what are what are what are you proposing? She gets a big smile and she says, "Great." And uh, she pulls you towards the center of town um, and Absol is kind of poking you with with its head. Um, They're they're pulling you towards, surprisingly, 
towards the common area, but to an, a table that is empty. And she intends to sit you down. But we'll leave you with that. Um, up next is Schmidt. Okay. Schmidt and Sam were just having a good old time. They just ate some food. They've been dancing. And Schmidt notices from the corner of his eye, uh, kind of lurking off, not in the shadows, but just kind of in the distance, is a reclusive walker joined by Skarmory. He's just standing and watching and almost kind of scowling at Schmidt and Symmetra. Okay. I just want to say, ultimately, the goal is I want to get Walker by himself and talk to him alone. Okay. But Schmidt's going to make like a big deal about it. I was like, oh, hey, I don't I don't like the way you're looking at me, bud. Let's go fight outside. Okay, so is this intention like. Are you truly trying to intimidate him or are you like lying? I'm like lying. Okay, I think either way, I kind of want to get a charisma to see how well you can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I want to do deception or performance, but whatever you get, I want you to add four to it. Okay. Um, that's a 12. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's pretty successful. It's so convincing. In fact, that, um, Sam sees this and she looks over at Walker and she says, Oh, uh, this is probably a good time for me to relieve myself. I'll be back. And she walks off. So you're approaching Walker and he seems kind of like embarrassed and his face kind of changes to like, Oh, like maybe I, uh, did something that I shouldn't have, and he kind of uh, looks at you, and he's... What seems to be the problem? Um, how do I do this? Um, so my problem with you is outside, and he's like, he's like pounding his fist in his hand. Oh, wow. Uh, trying to look intimidating, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walker says, I've never said no to a challenge, but listen here, we, we're already outside. <laughs> and he kind of gestures around, oh, because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. true that you're outside. Um, in fact... trying to, like, get him alone. Yeah. Um, in fact, you were like kind of close to a little vegetable garden that seems to be growing at this little north uh, western corner of the village. Um, you are more or less alone now that Sam stepped away. Uh, you are at least 30 feet away from any other people. And there's music playing from uh, Aster the Explode and a bunch of rock types that are slamming together. So um, you are more or less private. Um, and he approaches you. He doesn't shy away. He kind of stands face to face with you, uh, expecting some sort of confrontation. Okay. Uh, Schmidt like looks around like hard, like looks left, looks right, turns around, looks around him. He said, okay, I saw you looking at us and I saw you looking suspiciously at the girl I was with. I've been suspicious of her for weeks. What do you know? <laughs> Walker looks at you and he breaks eye contact and he laughs. He says, <laughs> no, uh, it, I'm I I just have some personal problems I need to work out. And he looks kind of embarrassed. And he says, uh, a person, a woman who has similar features to her. Uh, how do I say this? Uh, kind of took away everything I loved from me. And he shrugs a little <laughs> bit. So you know nothing. <laughs> he says, about that particular one? No, I've never seen her before in my life. But... Uh, there, there was this woman. Gosh, twenty some odd years ago. Same kind of hair, just completely changed how I see life. Oh my god. Okay. Cool. He takes a breath and he takes a swig of Mumu milk and he says, "Funny story. It was actually the, the the merchant who brought this product to Fall Arbor Town, and I can't stop myself from drinking it. It's just too good." Cool. Great. Not sure how to take this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I 
ask him about the milk, I guess. I was like, oh, who's the merchant? He says, okay, sure. It, you know, I got to spend more time thinking about my son, so this is the way to do it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, he says, a, a long time ago, there were there were two kids in Draconid Village. There was Zinya, the lore keeper, and there was my son, who was not born a lore keeper. And like me, he was very stubborn, very hard-headed, and it kind of it kind of tore him up. It was, it was he had a lot of resentment for me and our culture, and he, I feel like ever since he was eight years old, he was looking for an out. And uh, I was doing my normal trip to Fall Arbor, bringing the cart along, bringing my son along. We went to go pick up some Moomoo milk because it's the best drink ever created. We get to the market and there's this cute, charming, spunky, pink-haired woman. And I saw my son laid eyes on her and he just couldn't get enough. He ran up to her and had a conversation. I was just trying to purchase the milk. I came back. I was exiting the store. I said, son, going back to the village. And uh, he, was, he was pretty resistant. Saw him exchanging letters after a while. I don't know where this girl came from. I don't know where she went. And then mysteriously a few weeks later he left never saw him again he was uh about 20 years old and uh walker looks a little sad and disappointed he says i know the milk comes from johto but i don't know who that woman was okay describe your son he says so you pick it up <laughs> just put it down here <laughs> He says, of course, certainly. I've, I haven't seen him for a while, so I'm, I'm hoping that he grew into a, a strapping, charming young man. But uh, my son, slender, classic draconid features, pretty fair. He had uh, dark blue hair. He, he loved bird Pokemon, and he, and he looks around and he says, wait a second. Is that, is that a far-fetched? It is a far-fetched. He, he kneels down, he looks at it, he says, this looks remarkably similar to the one that uh, my son had. He, he, he had quite the affinity for flying types and, and bird Pokemon, and uh, he, he stands up and he kind of looks you from head to toe. He's going to make a roll. He says, what's your name, kid? My name is Schmidt. What was your son's name? He says, my son's name is Faulkner. And he's, mm. he's looking at you very suspiciously. He says, mm. tell me about your parents. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> Holy shit, okay. <laughs> I need to gather myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> this is fun. Uh, yeah, Schmidt just describes his mom. Then he says, only his mom, because that's always what it's been. Okay. The, Schmidt imparts that he's only known his mom. Only known his yep. mother. Mm-hmm. He, Walker takes a moment, and he looks at what Schmidt has described as gym leader Whitney from the Johto region. And uh, Walker kind of turns, and he looks at his jar of Moomoo milk. He locks eyes with the mill tank that's imprinted on it, and he stares, and he focuses. And he looks back at Schmidt, and then he looks at the mill tank, and then he looks back at Schmidt and he says, no, no, it's, 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 it can't be. It's not possible. There's, there's no chance. No, no, no. My, my son, and he's just kind of rambling under his breath. He's, I don't know, Faulkner would. And uh, he, he seems a little uh, concerned and distracted. At this moment, the conversation is interrupted 
by a drunk, heavy breathing, shirtless young man by the name of Vince Winstraight, who you have met before, is accompanied by two dragons. And he interrupts the conversation and he has alcohol in his breath and he gets right up close to Walker and he says, man of the draconid people. I volunteer as the new lore keeper. And he raises his fist in the air. He says, Lore keeper, lore keeper. And he has two dragons <laughs> on either side of him and they're writhing and going. Bah, bah. And um, Walker seems not very impressed by this. Uh, he turns his attention. He says, we're having a conversation. And by the way, you don't just get to volunteer to become a dragon lore keeper. That's not how this works. Yeah, and Schmidt also turns to him and was like, yeah, can you fuck off? Uh, <laughs> roll a intimidation. Oh, Let's go. Can I have Quacko assist with that intimidation? Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. You know what? I rolled a natural 18, so I don't think it needs it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, fair. What is intimidation based off of? Charisma? Okay, so it's Charisma, just an 18. Yeah. Yeah. It says, I, it doesn't uh, I am a Winstreet, and we are the most powerful trainers of Owen of, of all time. Power, win, straight, success, strong. And all the dragons are like, bah, bah, bah. they're like writhing along to it. And <laughs> Walker says, please, you're really invading our time. And this is you're completely spouting nonsense. This is not how any of this works. And Vince says, what are you going to do to try and stop me? Huh? Uh, what am I gonna do to try to stop him? He's not fucking off, is he? He's drunk and annoying, and he thinks that God. he deserves some attention right now. Uh, I guess I'm fucking fighting this guy. Okay, I don't necessarily need you to roll initiative if you want to see how well you want to do this. Uh, Vince doesn't intend on fighting anyone right now, so what? What is Schmidt trying to do here? Oh fuck! What is Schmidt trying to do? The classic. I could. It's two dragons. Two it's little noodles. Schmick. Nice little schmick kick. Oh, I guess I could just kick him. Listen, take a page from my book, dude. Punch the guy. <laughs> I've killed every Hydreigon so far. <laughs> <laughs> Schmidt want a fist fight? I don't know if he does. Yeah, you, you're not looking for a scrap, are you? He's just you trying to. He's going to try to persuade him again. Okay. And just be like. Horrible. Yeah. Hey, we're having a conversation here. Look, there's a big fun party over there. Why don't you go back there? I bet you there's more alcohol. That's really custom service of you, bud. Yeah, roll of persuasion. (laughs) See how it goes. Uh, That's a five on the die. Uh, With zero charisma. Yeah. Zero, really? Well, zero modifier. Okay. You said you have Quacko involved. Is Quacko going to help you out at all with this? Uh, yeah, Quacko will like puff up his big bird chest and he'll like point his leak at him. Oh hell yeah! Roll for Quacko too. Rolling for Quacko. Of course, Quacko gets the good roll. Seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Schmidt gives his spiel, his customer service spiel to uh, Vince, and Vince is belligerent, so he's not listening. And uh, if it seems possible at all, it might be true that his dragons are drunk as well. <laughs> they are not behaving very orderly. Quacko, the leader, the mascot of the Quacko Paco, steps forward and asserts his authority. He puffs out his chest, points his leak out, and goes quack in a very uh, <laughs> you know defining. Quacko sense and um, Vince is shook by Quacko. Um, 
Vince says, I, I, I didn't sign up to mess with a duck. I just want to save the world. And he uh, steps away slowly. Walker looks at Schmidt and looks at Quacko. He looks at the Moo Moo Milk and he looks at Schmidt and he looks at Quacko. And he looks at the Milk and he says, you didn't know your father and you say you're from Johto and your mother has pink hair and is a gym leader. And she's kind of looks like you a little bit. Yes, these things that you have said are are true. Walker looks at you one more time and he books it. He fucking runs south <laughs> faster than like any man who's in his 80s should be able to run. He's, he's, what? Do, do you stand? In, well, what's your call here? What, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> Fuck, fuck him. Follow your grandfather. Go. <laughs> Go. Yeah, I think Schmidt is starting to put two and two together as well. Uh-huh. And he's just like, fuck it. Wait, get back here. Okay, chases him down. And chases off after him. Okay. Walker charges southwards in Draconid Village. He, this old man blazes past Cindy and this woman with the Absol. Um, and he might actually run into them. Let me do a roll. Yeah, he totally does. He totally trips over Absol. Uh, and he, but he turns it into like a somersault, like very dexterous acrobatic kind of flip over and writes himself and keeps running way crazier than only any old man should be able to. Um, he takes a sharp turn and turns into the cabin where the, the elder cabin where Cindy just was and where Elodie currently is. He is panting and out of breath and he goes, Homatoma. And she says, Walker, are, are you okay? And he says, give me the gem. Now, Tomatoma does not have the gem. Elodie is currently holding it. Does Elodie relinquish the Keeper gem? Yes. He's going to be like, um, here? He snatches it incredibly fast, just all like in a mean way out of your hands. And Uh, he runs back outside. Uh, Schmidt, are you still chasing him? Are you caught up to him? Yeah, we were chasing. We're caught up. Okay. He pulls you to the side of the cabin where no one is, and this old man is, like, out of breath. And he says, well, there's only one way to find out. And he holds this, like, glowing rock. Do you receive it? Sure, yeah. Schmidt places the Keeper Gem into his hands. And as he does so, the gentle green glow that is present all around this meteorite shoots out beams of light northwards, southwards, in every direction. It's a brilliant green flash all around Draconid Village. Despite hiding behind the cabin, it is there is no doubt that everyone saw this flash. Walker locks eyes with Schmitz, and he cries. And he says, my, my grandson is a lore keeper. And he goes for a hug. What the fuck? You don't have to hug him back, but he is going to hug you. Schmidt is like not there anymore he's just... what the fuck yeah <laughs> yeah that's uh that's reasonable that sounds like a great place to leave schmidt's arc we're gonna go check in with gimli here <laughs> what so <laughs> i'm just staring at a lake dog i don't know what to do here yeah roll roll a perception yeah <laughs> might as well looking at this lake <laughs> Uh, that's an eight that's an eight okay you notice two things out of the corner of your eye of your eye you notice like a green flash you don't think much of it you're like oh that's kind of weird yeah 
There is something you notice, and Bean, he's just gone. He's, but, he's, he's not near you. I Give me one more roll of your choice to see if you could somehow determine where that little guy went. Oh, okay, great. I was going to think of, like, I was either looking survival or animal handling, and sure. I think either way that's wisdom. Yes. Uh, which I got a 23. 23, so. yeah. Um, so Bean has his favorite bone, you know, that he carries around and stuff. Right. And you can see if you turn your back directly south, you see a pair of tiny little footprints and the bone being dragged along the ground beside it. If you squint your eyes, you rolled high enough. If you squint your eyes really, really, really carefully, you see on the giant towering footsteps is a little Bean who is running as fast as he possibly can outside of Draconid Village, and every chance he gets, he shadow sneaks 15 feet forwards. He is booking it. He has a mission. Oh, oh God. Bean? <laughs> I'm sorry, I gotta go. <laughs> my, my little guy's acting crazy. I gotta go after him. Uh... Jenga, not really good at goodbyes. Usually at events, he just kind of leaves. He Irish goodbyes it, or Draconid goodbyes it, if you wish. <laughs> um, but he's just chilling on top of Tyrantrum. He's not concerned with it. Are you chasing down Bean? I am. Cool. Because you're just going to be running, we're going to let you do that, and we'll catch up with you later. We're going to... This is hearkening back to our very first session, where everyone was split up, and I think maybe at some point they might reunite. And I, there was a point in that first session where I started moving things faster. That is now. Things are going to be moving faster. Elodie, you're up. You saw Walker, one of the elders, uh, charge in, super out of breath, take this rock from your hands, and then out of the corner of your eye, you saw a crazy green flash. You see Tomatoma, who is all of a sudden very alert, and she looks up, and she's looking outside of the cabin, and she says, like, how? And you see Renza turn his attention around, and he says, no, no, it can't be. And they're like, both kind of like curiously looking outside and around. What what do you do? I'm going to say, what's going on? Should we check that out? Tomatoma says, it, 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 it must be a fluke. There's, there's no chance. There's no way. And they slowly start walking outside. Um, you may or may not follow them if you wish. I will follow them. Okay. As you turn the corner, you see uh, Walker just holding Schmidt. And Schmidt is kind of awkward in this embrace, and he's holding the Keeper Gem that Tomatoma pulled off from her cane and gave to you earlier. I will give you one opportunity to say something to Schmidt, or Schmidt can say something to you if you want. Or nothing. You don't have to. I'm just going to say, you okay, bud? Schmidt's going to try to talk while it's going to come out as like, ah, but... Yeah, that's, that's reasonable. Renza and Tomatoma gather around Walker and Schmidt and they kind of look at Schmidt and they look at Elodie like they're kind of piecing like, oh, this they're part of a group that came in together. That's where we'll leave that. Very exciting. Cindy, you witnessed this old man charge past you, trip over Absol, do like a little somersault on the ground, stand back up and run inside a building. But this woman is still pulling you towards a, a public but also somewhat private table, that part of the festival. She says, oh, I, I don't mean to be rude. Uh, my name is Scarlet, and I'm here to make you rich. Do you continue going with her? I guess. Cool. She sits you down at the table, and she has Absol like, kind of really close to you. She says, I'm all about luck. I'm all about probabilities. I have a mission. I heard that somewhere in the world, there is an orange-colored Absol. 
and the episode that she has uh, makes a little coo sound. It's like, and it's like very invested and curious. And she says, my friend Abby and I are on a quest to find this orange colored Absol. And in my opinion, you can do anything you want with the right odds and the right number of tries. She asks, what's your name, girl? Cindy. She says, Cindy, pick a pick an amount of money. Uh, two pokey dollars. She chuckles and she says, it's not going to be that low for long. All right. She reaches into her pocket and she hands you a dice of some sort. And it's a piece of bone. And it has numbers etched into it. She pulls one out herself and she says, roll it. Uh, roll a d20. 19. Great. Her bone dice clatters against the wooden table. And a 12 appears on the front. And she says, here you go. And she gives you two Pokey dollars. She says, you ready to do it again? I don't understand what's happening. She says, it's fine. It's my turn. She says, 350. And she rolls the dice. She says, Cindy, it's your turn. What if I don't have that kind of money? She says, oh, we'll find a way to make it work. And her Absol kind of like nudges into you even closer. Something doesn't feel right here. Hmm. What is Cindy's course of action? Uh, I'll like gently put the dice down and try to walk away. Like, Sorry, but no, 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 no. Okay. Scarlet observes this. She says, oh, I get it. No, it's fine. You'll you'll be back. You will be back. And uh, where where Cindy trying to run off to at this point? Um, maybe somewhere like out of line of sight from this person. But Cindy wants to check like the Atlas Stone because this area is like oh interesting crazy stuff happening. Yeah, so find like a secluded spot to like tuck away and like look at the Atlas Stone, see if anything's like happening there. Yeah, you want some privacy? Yes. It, I didn't describe this, but I will just retcon say that when you arrive to the village, Walker identified a specific cabin with five beds that would be for your party. Um, so you're welcome to enter there if you wish. Sounds good. Okay. What is your plan with the Atlas Stone? Just to see if it's like glowing in any weird spots. Okay. Um, or see if it's like picking up on any energy in the area because it like does weird stuff. Sure. Give me... Give me a roll, I guess, an investigation roll. That's a nat one. Nice. That's great. That, yeah, that's really good. We'll, we'll catch up on that later. We're going to go back to Schmidt. Schmidt, right. you were dumped with like an incredible amount of information that you may not really understand how to process. And an old man is hugging you and he just prescribed to you some title that seems very important to him. And then these old people and Elodie gathered around you. And what do you do? Um, the fuck do I do? Yeah, you don't have to do anything. Uh, you can say you can pass, but I'm just curious. Uh, the fuck's going on right now? <laughs> I don't really have any thoughts. That's fine. Yeah, it was totally reasonable for you not to not have any. Walker closes off the embrace and he puts his hand on your shoulder and he looks at you. He's crying and he turns to the other two elders and he says, find Find Jinga. The Draconids are, are not extinct. And he looks over at Schmidt once again. Does Elodie have a reaction to this? I, I think she's pretty speechless at this point. Yeah, that's fair. That's reasonable. Renza says, oh, right away. He's probably at the lake. And uh, Renza starts running off. Walker looks at Schmidt and he says, okay, this is, this is certainly a lot to take in. And I understand you have a lot of questions. But I think just for now, just for tonight, this is a two-day festival 
we should just celebrate. This is the reason we're here is for, is for celebration. So, so we, you know, just, just keep, and he puts his hand on this meteorite that he just gave you. He says, put, put this somewhere safe and don't tell anyone about it. And we'll talk about this in the morning. How's that sound? Okay. <laughs> Great. Do you, do you tuck it away? Yeah. Great. You may add one deeper gem to your inventory. Okay. I have a pretty useless but pretty funny, as I called Grace's, a copy pasta for you. Just so that you see it. And I will also read it out loud uh, for the listeners in case it's not obvious. This passive is called Lore Keeper. It reads, Schmidt is the last known surviving Lore Keeper of the Draconid tribe by birthright. The implications of this are not fully known. Very useful passive. Definitely gives you a lot of information. Yep, there's a lot there. <laughs> very cool. Great. Good. Walker gets very excited. And he says, I think it's time for a drink. Our family just got a little bit larger. And he runs off. And it's not clear what kind of drink he's talking about. Is it more milk? Is it ale? Who knows? Tomatoma kind of creeps up. She is adjusting her posture because her cane is a little bit shorter than it used to be because there's no rock on top that she used, is used to having there. And she looks at you and she smiles and she says, welcome. You don't have to have a response to that if you don't wish. Hi. <laughs> Great. Uh, that's very good. Uh, I'm planning on moving on to Gimli. Is there any I just want to make sure I know it's a lot. Is there anything that Schmidt's trying to do here? Uh, get really drunk. Okay, great. It seems like that might have been what Walker was trying to do. So are you just going to go back over to where the ale is? Yep. Schmidt's just going to drink his problems away. Excellent. That's great. We'll do that. Gimli. Still on the chase. You're on the chase. Um, I don't need you to like roll for traversing terrain that is made for people to walk on. It's a lot of steps. You're probably going to get mm-hmm. tired, but it's going to happen. So um, you're chasing Bean. Bean's up to something. Bean doesn't usually do stuff like this. Uh, Mm -hmm. you run up to the top of the stairs and you find yourself at the part of the cave where you entered. Um, it's, it's really dark, but you do see something interesting. Roll of perception. Uh, that is a 13, 13. That's good enough for some good information. So as you approach the tunnel, um, it's quite dark, but you can hear the pitter patter of Bean's footsteps followed by silence as he shadow sneaks followed by more footsteps. He has turned the end of the tunnel and he's going right. However, the sound of his movement is interrupted by the occasional bonk sound and then the, a screech kind of like Bee! and as you look and then the sound of something falling, something light falling to the ground. And as you look forward and you continue chasing Bean, you find that tens, dozens, maybe 50 or so. As you're running down this tunnel, there's just fallen Zubats. They're just all oh. over the place. They are just getting bodied. Um, he's just bonking them. He's, yeah. he's just bonking them. I'm assuming you're continuing to chase him through the darkness. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you heard him turn the corner, so you turn left. Good adventurers go left, and Bean is a good adventurer. Um, yes. As you are running, you find yourself in a familiar area as the walls turn more and more bone-filled. It's very peculiar. Um, lots and lots of bones and as you're heading towards where the giant skeleton was again more and more fallen pokemon not just zubats either you see some familiar rock types that have big indentations in their carapace from being struck by something um bean is quite literally on a rampage you go all the way into the chamber where the skeleton was absolutely cool you do that as you enter you see bean mouth first uh, where a large rib bone was sticking out of the ground is almost entirely 
consumed. Um, he has a fever in his eyes and he is consuming these bones rapidly and he looks at you and he has a glare. You do anything about this. <laughs> What's going on, bud? <laughs> he hears your inquiry, looks at you and kind of tilts his head like a dog listening does. And he continues just absolutely devouring these bones. It makes absolutely no sense how quickly he can consume these. It is completely absurd. Um, he completely scarfs down that rib and he throws his bone to the ground and he makes eye contact with you and his eyes roll into the back of his head. Do you do anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, his, his mouth opens a gape and he begins to levitate. He starts floating in the air and black tendrils of mist swirl around his body and encompass him. He becomes a dark black purple cloud you cannot see beans form anymore after a moment the haze is burst away by an explosion of light and what you see before you is a bony larval husk pure white it has two slots for eyes that have small horizontal slits in between them as if it looks like his eyes are closed there are vents among his body particularly on his back and there is black smoke billowing out bean has achieved an evolution whether it's a pupitar or something else is up to you to decide however uh, let me send you the sheet i want okay. you to look at it i want to leave this up to the quacko paco or maybe even the listeners i don't want to make that promise necessarily but what you see before you is not a larvitar it is Probably not a pupitar, although it has similar similarities to it. I've sent you a sheet called Bean Second Stage because I don't know what it is. But take, why don't you take a look and read anything that seems particularly notable here? Hmm. <laughs> I was like, first ability, Void Heart. Oh, <laughs> Bean being largely emotionless is immune to charm and intimidation and saves uh, at advantage against charisma and wisdom based saves. That's very good. Um, abyssal husk. <laughs> when the, in a sandstorm, if Bean saves against a damaging effect by any amount besides a critical failure, Bean takes no damage at all, <laughs> even if the uh, past save would normally result in some damage. What? <laughs> That's so crazy. What else does he have? Let me see. He hovers. <laughs> it's true. He's he's a spooky guy. <laughs> he's just out here hovering. Bean is, um, in fact, a spooky guy. I don't think there's anything else that's very yeah, standard. I, I I mean, he, is a, he is a ghost type, but that we kind of, everyone kind of knew that was going to happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so yeah, congrats. Okay. You have um, a very spooky evolved bean. And again, bone white. Look like a larva. They have no limbs. But as far as what they actually are, that's up to you to decide. Uh, Great. Glad that happened. Bean is, seems yeah. to no longer be on a rampage, and he's just kind of looking at you with his like mostly closed eyes. And again, there's like a eerie smoke that is constantly pouring out of the vents in his body. <laughs> wow, uh, Bean, you became something. Uh, you good? <laughs> uh, as expected, there is no response. Excellent. <laughs> you want to come down now? Are we, are we gonna go? Yeah, he uh, he just hovers behind you silently, uh, floating. He has no qualms <laughs> to leave. Unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Good stuff. I'm assuming you're going to return to the village where it's less spooky. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
okay. <laughs> just with my creepy husk boy yeah. following in the rear. Yeah, you do that. You find yourself just walking over so many fallen bats. Uh, these these poor bats never stood a chance. Um, it yeah. seems like as being floats by, little tendrils like connect with these bats and like absorb from their mouths an energy that gets pulled back into Bean's body. Very, very <laughs> curious. <laughs> oh God. Just he's just out here soul eating. Yep, very, very casual. Yeah, we have the true soul eater in this. In this regards, good, good stuff, good stuff. Oh my god, that's terrifying. Okay, okay, cool. Um, Elodie Schmidt is running off to get drunk. Toma Toma is very happy. Um, Renz is running off to go tell something to Jingo. What are you doing? Um, I think it's time for me to grab some food. Cool. Yeah, why don't you go do that? You might run into uh schmidt while you're doing that we will mm-hmm. we will allow that i feel like i may break out of initiative here because at this moment walker and schmidt are, are you are you consuming alcohol with your newly discovered grandfather or are you trying to keep your distance schmidt? uh i think schmidt's just kind of like not conscious of what's going on around him he just is trying to get plastered great that's awesome. He, he he's trying to drink away what he just learned. <laughs> okay, very cool, very cool. Cindy's in the hut, looking at the Atlas Stone. I'm gonna have her make a reroll, just because, you know. Because mm. then that one sucks. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like she'd see something. It's just gonna take her longer to figure out. Is this investigation? Yeah. Seven. Seven. That's good enough. Cindy, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. You're not gonna. It's you're not gonna pinpoint anything. But um, Cindy observes that there is a slight blue glow coming from the gemstones that are encrusted on the Atlas Stone. It's like a purplish blue. Hmm. Um, and I have I have uh, Fang with me. True. Who is a dragon? Yeah. Can I have Fang touch it? Interesting. Yeah. You do that, uh, Fang comes out of the ball and looks at this rock and you instruct Fang to touch it and Fang lays a nubby little hand on it and he's got little teeth sticking out he's like meh uh, he touches it and you see as the Atlas Stone the gems glow even more that same brilliant purple and all over the the shapes that are encrusted on the front just in countless or not countless but dozens of locations there are little red lights that appear and then the Atlas Stone is just covered with lots and lots of little red dots. Roll a perception based on this. Five. Five. Cindy swears. Not for sure. But she is looking at all these dots that have appeared on the Atlas Stone. As Fane makes contact with it. And she swears that some of them are moving. It's like a couple of them are like moving as they're projected on the stone. Very curious. Very odd. I'm going to say that Gimli has no trouble getting back into town. You got a creepy boy with you, but like, what's your next order of business? Uh, <laughs> I'm probably going to look to meet up with the gang in town. Okay. Um, I might put the creepy boy away. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A little too spooky. Not... He would be a little unsettling to just walk through the yeah. village and potentially based on my observations of him absorbing zoo bats. I don't know what else he's going to try to absorb into his void. Yeah. Who knows? He's a, he's a little spooky. Yeah. Um, Gimli, you can, without needing to check, you are aware that you see Elodie and Schmidt that are like out looking to consume food. Um, Schmidt looks quite shaken. Uh, he is fiending the ale currently. 
And yeah, you would have no trouble meeting up with them at all. Sam. Sam walked away for a moment, and her attention was drawn by a strange green flash of light. She didn't see where it came from, but it brings her to the center of the Draconid Village, where everyone is congregating, and she is looking to approach Schmidt. Um, she says, Hey, Schmidt, is, uh, is everything okay? Did everything work out over there? How drunk am I currently? Uh, you want to roll for it? Yeah. yeah. Just give me just a, just a d20. Uh, 14. 14. Yeah, you're pretty drunk. You might get sick, but for right now, you're fine. Cool. Um, yeah, Schmidt's just gonna hit her with a. I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. We're fine. She says, "Hey, hey, hey. Do you, do you need to talk about it or something?" No, we're fine. It's all fine. There's nothing to talk about. We're fine. He says, "Oh, okay. Uh, here, let let me show you something that I was working on." Um, and she pulls out her notebook and she turns to a page. Do you want to look at it? Uh, sure. Why not? She drew a really lovely sketch of the meteor shower. Uh, across a couple of pages um very vivid oh, very detailed pretty. and um she drew two people uh sitting side by side like on a little hill looking at them and she says isn't this nice yeah that's a nice picture um you're drunk roll me perception disadvantage uh, that's a clean four clean four nice yeah you don't glean anything particular off of it but she hands it open to you i'm going to bring everyone together so they're just like not necessarily in the same proximity, but I want to check in with Ellie and Cindy and Gimli one more time. What are you doing at this moment? Uh, I guess Cindy's going to put everybody away and like put the Atlas Stone away and rejoin the party. Okay, great. Uh, Elodie is enjoying the local food. Very good. Same. I will definitely be partaking in the local food and ale. Cool. Having a good time. Great. Excellent. So this happens. Walker and Tomatoma and Renza and Jinga just kind of watching from a distance. Jinga is just standing off to the side, just staring at Schmidt and he's grinning. He's very happy. There's a moment where Walker comes up and taps Schmidt on the shoulder and he says, oh, we have a lot to talk about. I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. Do you have a response to that? Um, nope. Okay. Pretend um, like he's not there. As Schmidt is guzzling ale, uh, and Sam is showing him her notebook, uh, something peculiar happens. In a moment, as we were, as everyone was just subject to a big old flash of light in Draconid Village that seemed to stretch across the whole chasm and into the skies, everyone notices a different, particularly bright light coming, this time, from the sky itself. From the Draconid meteor shower standing out, is one particularly bright and large meteor. It almost seems like maybe it's coming closer to Owen. Is there any particular reaction in this moment from anyone? <laughs> Just uh-huh. a quick look up at the sky and kind of a squinty-eyed glare like, what's going on there? <laughs> uh, it casts the entirety of the village in a dull orange-red hue, which, besides Gimli, causes everyone to look up. They're all looking at this strangely bright, ever-growing closer meteor that seems to be growing bigger and bigger in size in the night sky. Walker turns his attention from Schmidt and looks at it. And Schmidt can hear, deep under his breath, he says, Oh, no. And it appears that in just a matter of seconds, this thing is probably going to collide with where you are stationed. Everyone gets one reaction right now to do something. 
<laughs> so the meteor is coming closer. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is exponentially uh, growing larger in the sky, and it is glowing orange. So I know Soli could like absorb the heat out of like lava in the volcano. Uh, could Soli absorb the heat and energy coming off of the meteor? What's your intention in... to to try that? Well, like have Soli touch the atlas stone to get to the alpha form. Okay. And that... then absorb like I guess before it impacts completely, like absorb the heat and energy from it. So maybe it is less <laughs> i am describing this chance for you to do something as a reaction i think yeah, that is going to be summed up as things. pretty much three seconds you are welcome to make contact with soli and the atlas stone to change her into her powerful form you will not be able to give a commander instruction until after this meteor impacts so it won't help that much yeah <laughs> that's, that's fair i think jumping out of the way or farther away as possible seeking cover is your goal yes okay cindy you you do that. I might have you make a roll after. Um, anyone else? Um, How like big is this meteor? I guess you can. That we can tell. I'll give you a roll to to suss that out if you want. Okay. Investigation. It's hard to tell because things from space that like but, depend on how far they are are different sizes, right? So. <sighs> well, that was a seven. Okay, Elodie thinks one of two things. Either this thing is very large and very close, or it is reasonably small and moving incredibly fast. But Elodie does not know in her head which one of those two things it is. Right. Either way, we're going to die. Well, who knows? <laughs> Maybe <But> not. <laughs> there is danger. I don't know if uh, a DM throwing an act of God at their players out of nowhere and saying you will die is really fair, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm joking. Yeah. Imminent death um, is a <laughs> Yeah, definitely gonna just grab cabbage and try and cower under something. They cover, great. Yes. Okay, I have two actions from two of the Quacko Paco uh, or reactions. Um, I'm going to look to like try to make cover. Great with. Both Trevor and Lasagna, who are both well, Trevor was not in the ball, but Lasagna is. Mm-hmm. And Trevor's gonna look to kind of be a blockade for with iron defense, and then Lasagna has wide guard. So we're gonna try to just at least block something for the initial impact. Okay. <laughs> just to cool. see if we can do something with that. Yeah. I'm I'm flavoring that you are approaching from the southern side of the village, which is true. Uh, that is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And just as I'm having uh, let's hear what you might want us to do first, and then we'll get some rolls. Okay. Is the general consensus is like everyone's freaking out and going for cover, not just us? It seems like the elders have a lot of concern. The ordinary trainers who are around are like, oh, yeah, look at that in the sky. That's interesting. Ordinary trainers are what? The ordinary trainers are looking at the sky and they're saying, hey, look at that. That's a unique part of the meteor shower. <laughs> uh, mm, nobody else is concerned, huh? It seems like just the elders. There's a couple trainers who are like less drunk who might be like kind of cautious. Like they're kind of standing as if they need to might consider taking an action or something. But um, no one has has expressed as much concern as Walker in your ear saying, oh, no, Um, I don't have much time to like coordinate. Like a rescue, do I? It is a reaction. It is a reaction. Fuck. Yeah. So I'm like, get my boys in the way. That's all I can do. Um, I agree with you, though. Grab Quacko, find shelter. Okay. Essentially seeking cover, correct? 
Yep. Okay. Come to Gimli. Gimli has cover. <laughs> yeah, if you want I to am the cover. I don't know if I know where Gimli is. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. We will have you. Is that everyone? Yeah, everyone's basically seeking cover, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, Walker's reaction is to send to Tanya directly in between Schmidt and Walker. He places Skarmory in such a way to provide cover for Schmidt from behind. The orange-red light becomes blindingly bright and barely illuminates the entirety of the cavern that is home to the Draconid village, almost like it were daytime. Accompanied by a terrifying screech and a sonic boom, it impacts into the center of the village with an incredible explosion, destroying the ceremonial stage at the heart of Draconid village. There's an enormous cloud of dust and fire, and every person present must make a DC-11 deck save against splintered meteorite pieces that fly out randomly in every direction. I will grant those who opted to take cover, which is everyone, uh, plus three to that roll. Wide guarded? Correct. Give me... Uh, I need to like see the efficacy of this, of this wide guard. I believe that Gimli, no matter what, based on how the wide guard is positioned, Gimli would have at least advantage to save, if not be guaranteed it. I don't mm. think the other Quacko Paco members are... Yeah, I was just, I was checking the efficacy of that. I'm like, I definitely called that I was going to set up a wide you guard did. for you the, the you danger. So. Um, I, Gimli, you'll be fine. <laughs> I think you'll yeah, be fine. Because um, I thought Gimli, Trevor would be okay. They're like, definitely right yeah. there. So. Um, Schmidt has double cover uh, from both sides. So he gets plus three and he rolls with advantage. Um, everyone else just gets oh, plus and three. I roll with advantage? Yes. Okay. Also, I'm going to okay. roll for a number of NPCs right now. I rolled my second die for advantage, and it was a one. Nice. What was your first one? Uh, seven. Okay, plus three. Okay. Plus six. Oh, okay. my... oh yep, because you're dex. dex. Yeah. Correct, correct, correct. Should I roll for the efficacy of the Y guard to see if people get protected by it besides just me? Sure, yeah, because you... Yeah, that's fair. I like that, because you're guaranteed based on how Y guard works. But yeah, like, but I the goal don't... was like to create like some kind of barrier for people, like yeah. whoever it is. Yeah, just, just give me uh, a general d20. Oh, God. Lasagna, please. Uh, 18. 18. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Let's see what everyone else rolled. I'm out of, out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got a 16. Okay. I got an 18. Okay. Great. Ooh, this is going to get interesting. Ooh, ooh, okay. Nice. Damn. Sorry. <laughs> going, we're going a little off script here. Okay, so every member of the Quacko Paco succeeds. Uh, they don't manage to get struck by a significant piece of meteorite at all, um, which is very nice. There's a huge explosion and dust, and it's very hard to see or hear anything currently. Most of the NPCs I rolled for did fine. Two of them suffered a critical failure. Vince Winstraight gets a pointed rock stuck square in his stomach, dealing 60 oh points of damage. Oh my god! Oh god! <laughs> oh no! Listen, I know he's a drunk oh no. asshole, but he didn't deserve that. Oh god! The other critical failure Not is your Sam. friend Sam. No! 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 No, 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 no. no way! A, a shard of meteorite strikes her right between her right cheek and her forehead, slicing across her eye, dealing eighty-seven points of damage. Oh fuck! Jesus Christ! She immediately collapses unconscious face first into the rocky soil with a puddle of blood quickly building. 
her notebook showing the picture to, to Schmidt falling out of her hands and onto the ground in front of her. At this moment, Sam's mysterious black Pokeball opens for the first time that any of you have ever seen. A wispy, dark purple beam manifests into a previously unseen creature kneeling beside Symmetra. As the clouds of dust settles around you, anyone looking in this direction would see a humanoid yellow monster with a disproportionately large pentagram-shaped head, an impressive hairy mustache, brown features at their shoulders and joints, three fingers on each hand delicately holding slender metal objects, and large clawed feet. This is her previously unknown gifted Pokemon, Pause. Some of you of the Quacko Paco would likely recognize this as an iconically powerful Pokemon native to Kanto, known as Alakazam. However, there's a different quality about Kaz. His features are weathered and worn. His narrow eyes convey incredible power. It's hard to tell through all the smoke and the explosion, but those close by can see scars and deformities and unnatural contusions that riddle his body, which is unusually muscular for a psychic type. Kaz has an aura about him that is impossibly mysterious, and it feels like if he just looked at you, you would break down and cry. His attention turns explicitly in this moment to each of your faces as people are screaming and running around. Gimli, Elodie, Cindy, and Schmidt. He turns around and locks eyes with each of you for only a fraction of a second, but it feels as if he bore into your very psyche and fully documented your life's histories and and dreams and, and failures. After locking eyes with Schmidt, the dust cloud finally settles, and Kaz turns his attention to the center of the village, where the meteorite crumbled into the ceremonial stage, into rubble, and a single three-foot pitch-black boulder resides. All that is left of the meteor. Everyone in the village, the elders of the Draconid tribe, the dozen or so worthy trainers who found their way here through Meteor Falls, now scrambling out from the cover that they took from the impact, and this disturbing new presence at Sam's side all turn their attention to the meteor. They stare at it, anticipating. Smoke is billowing from the residences and the garden. Small fires form in pockets of dry soil and grass. Tomotoma mutters, it, it can't be. And Walker holds out his hand in her direction. He shouts to everyone, don't move! Everyone collectively stares for only a second, but it feels like an eternity. Kaz's eyes flash pink for a moment while staring at the meteor, and immediately, each of you hear a voice inside of your own head. It is dark and deep and threateningly private. It says, There will be death. He lays a deformed hand on Symmetra, and they immediately vanish in a teleport, leaving behind a puddle of blood and Sam's notebook. A man's voice from above shouts, No! And you see a man familiar to Cindy and Schmidt. A red-haired, fair-skinned individual flying down from the ceiling from the cosm on top of Draconid Village on a large, four-winged, purple bat Pokemon from within the meteor that has impacted. A pure black, triangular shape levitates out. It is so impossibly dark it feels as if it is draining the moonlight from the surroundings of the chamber. Two tentacles unfurl out, one orange and one blue and they wickedly flail about as the triangle unfolds into a dark, horrific mass of writhing tentacles. The chaotic shape expands and takes form as a disturbing humanoid figure. 
bipedal, distinctly orange, with accents of blue along its knees, face, and tentacle arms. Its eyes are black and completely soulless, as if it were an automata without emotion, its face devoid of a mouth or a nose. The monster houses a purple glowing gem from within its chest. Its tentacles swirl as it stands eerily, observing its surroundings with impossibly fast eye movements. Jenga and Tyrantrum roar in terrifying unison and charge towards this threat, and the rest of the elders follow suit. The visiting trainers scatter, some screaming, and some calling forth their own Pokemon to engage this alien threat. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to the Season 3 finale of Dunsparce and Drampa. Since the last time we've had a conclusion to a season, our number of active listeners has increased by thousands, so I'd like to take a moment to clarify what exactly that means. As the November and December holidays roll around in North America, the lives of myself and all of the players are becoming dramatically busy, and we are unable to meet once a week for our regular play sessions. Not only do we all work full-time jobs separate from Pokemon and tabletop gaming, but CJ and Melissa are school teachers with finals to prepare for and assign, and I myself am in the final semester of my master's degree. These obligations combined with family needs for holidays divide our attention, and as such we have to ask for a short break on new episodes. However, all of this is not to say that there won't be any new content coming to YouTube or your preferred podcast provider. We will gradually be releasing media that has been kept private on our Patreon during this winter, and for our patrons on Patreon, we will be adding more exclusive content that we are able to record in our limited time during the holiday season, as well as some never-before-seen character sheets and chats about the game. In addition to all of this, our community Discord server that is the catalyst for this audio series, the Calyrex Game Corner, is full of activity and new faces who love discussing about the podcast, art, music, general hobbies, and especially the new Generation 9 Pokemon games that we'll be releasing in just a few days. All of us would be delighted to welcome you into that community, so please consider joining it. The players and I chat in there all the time, and we would love to hear from you. Changing gears slightly, I'd like to address something that I haven't talked about much publicly before. Over this past summer, something happened to the discoverability algorithm that resulted in Dunsparce and Drampa being pushed out to magnitudes more people than usual, and it seems like we caught the attention of many of you. To all of our newest listeners, welcome. We're so happy to have you. To all the listeners who have been with us since we started in the late summer of 2021, thank you for believing in us and joining us for this whole journey. I'd like to take a moment to thank all of our current patrons who have been very committed to making the distribution of this podcast a reality by financially supporting us. We very literally could not be doing this without you. To Riggs, Bimo, Gretchen, Cody, Lady Del Taco, Luxa, Shadow, Kyle Ken, Paint Siegel, Charbel, Tulip, CJ, Colbster, E, Greta, James, Lane, Mining Flame, Parfait, Rinna, Sydney, Tanner, Suited Tree, Big City, Cobalt, Acerama, Omega, Bryden, Flamingo, Fox, Logan, Mr. Singer, Scout, Sierra, Winter's Mason, and Nimbus Actual. A sincere, heartfelt thank you from all of us. If you haven't yet joined us on Discord and are itching for more Quacko Paco content, we'd be happy for you to join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash It has been an immense honor to be providing you with all the entertainment of what is simply by friends enjoying a role-playing experience in the world of Pokemon. We're looking forward to seeing you again sometime after the holiday season with Season 4 of Dunsparce and Drampa.
He's not fucking off, is he? He's drunk and annoying, and he thinks that God. he deserves some attention right now. God damn it, Richie. God, he's it's literally every Friday and Saturday at work. Why did you do this? <laughs> <laughs> the, the true trial. The true oh, trial. This, this is just my job. This is just my fucking day job. <laughs> it, did you not know it's job. Sunday, dude? Oh my god. Yeah, it's illegal to sell alcohol in on a Sunday. Um, <laughs> Walker's like, shit, you're right. We're in- <laughs> we gotta stop. <laughs> oh my god, we totally are in- right now. Speaking Boys. of fires, there's a 27-headed Hydreigon headed your way. What's your action? Uh, I, I punch it! <laughs> oh shit, it explodes in a million <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> this has never happened before. <laughs> I've, I haven't done this two other times. <laughs> I'm so ready for Squids' uh, D&D campaign that he runs. <laughs> it's just gonna be jump scares. It's like, what do you do? Ah! And then you explode. 108-head Hydreigon! 